There are countless ways that humans and technology interact, and those interactions are becoming more and more prevalent in every aspect of daily life. But not everyone likes to use technology in the same way. So when you are dealing with every single type of person imaginable, like Scott Strickland does as the executive vice president and chief information officer at Wyndham Hotels and Resorts, you have to really understand and offer every kind of digital experience. It's a massive job, which takes creativity, coordination, and skill. On this episode of IT Visionaries, Scott explains how he manages that job, the role new technology like AI and RPA play in the process, and the other challenges he faces as a CIO. Enjoy this discussion. IT Visionaries is created by the team at mission.org and brought to you by the Salesforce Customer 360 platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Build connected experience, empower every employee, and deliver continuous innovation with the customer at the center of everything you do. Learn more at salesforce.com slash platform. This podcast is created by the team at mission.org. Welcome to another episode of IT Visionaries. I'm Ian Faison, Chief Content Officer here at Mission.org. And we have on the other line, Scott, what's going on? Hey, Ian. Great to be here. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, thanks for joining us. We are thrilled to be able to talk about everything that is going on from IT and technology perspective at Wyndham Hotel Resorts and obviously get into your background a little bit. So first, how did you get started in technology? I was actually a, uh, a geek in high school. I received my first Apple IIe when I was in junior high, coded a lot in basic, and uh, just enjoyed the sense of achievement I could get from creating something. I won a programming contest when I was in high school as well. Um, ironically, when I went off to uh, university, I studied finance and economics because at that time, if you really wanted to make any money, you wanted to be like Alex from Family Ties and get out onto Wall Street. Uh, so I have a yeah. minor. <laughs> yeah, so I, I studied finance and econ, but I minored in comp sci. It was a meandering path to get me to where I'm, I'm at now in, as CIO. My first role, though, out of school, so I graduated school with those degrees, uh, was with Anderson Consulting, now Accenture. So as you know, you know, Anderson puts you through the finishing school and teaches you at the time COBOL and Kicks and TSO and a lot of the programming languages that were in use in businesses. And that really put me on what was at the time the data processing or MIS path. And so flash forward to today, tell me a little bit about your role as CIO and EVP at Wyndham Hotel Resorts. Sure. So what's interesting about this role uh, this is my third CIO role in my career, and it's my largest in terms of total scope. So my first one uh, was your classic CIO role. You're responsible for the ERP system. You're responsible for infrastructure, and then you're responsible for what we called customer-facing systems. My second role expanded that a little bit, and suddenly I had engineering systems in my purview as well, and collaboration systems, and this thing called marketing and digital. And in this role, I have all of that, absolutely, but I ultimately serve three customers. So I'm serving the internal Wyndham team member by providing them all of those services, as I indicated, from infrastructure to ERP to uh, digital systems, but I'm also serving the franchisee. So we have uh, just over 9,000 hotels worldwide, and 
if any one of those franchisees has a concern with their system, their property management system that they use to check in and out guests or something of that nature, they actually call somebody in my organization. So I'm serving those franchisees on a real-time basis. In addition, I'm also responsible for guest interaction. So if you wanted to make a reservation at one of our hotels, Ian, you would call 1-800 number, possibly. Or if you had a question about your loyalty, you'd call 1-800 number and work with us on that. That call center team also reports into me because the theory is, is let's understand how we interact with the guest, how we interact with the franchisee, and how we interact with the team member. And in order to understand that, we need all of that in one space. So it's, it's my largest role so far because I'm serving those three different customers. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing how in the past three roles, it's just developed more and more customer experience as part of the role, right? Like, I mean, I, and I wonder, I'd be curious, you know, if you went back in time and were to, you know, position the leadership team and say, hey, I should own a lot more of the customer experience side of things. I wonder what they would have said. Do you think it's like a sign of the times or do you think it's just kind of like different by organization? I think it's a sign of the times now because the IT experience is so front and center. It's so part of that customer experience. Whereas back in the day, it wasn't critical. You know, your website, when we were first building it and putting out a website, a website was seen as brand or marketing. It wasn't e-commerce for a little while. And then you learned, whoa, this can actually have a big impact on my bottom line. If I can shave two clicks off of this, my conversion rate on my e-com website goes up by five points. And that's worth $8 million, you know, or whatever your equation would be. So it became more and more important to focus on that customer experience. One of the things I find super interesting, when you have a company like Wyndham that has so many hotel brands, you kind of have this like unique experience customer experience in each of those, you know, hotels, right? Or each of those properties. But you also want to have this like seamless, you know, digital experience that underlies all of that, that, you know, probably the customer, you know, doesn't know about. They just have that association with a particular hotel, but they don't, might not even know that, you know, one hotel is owned by the same people or something like that. Like, I'm curious, how do you kind of look at, you know, the digital infrastructure across all of those properties as, you know, especially when you're, you know, when you have franchisees as, you know, something that needs to be pretty seamless and pretty consistent while the properties themselves might not be consistent. Absolutely. It's, it's an insightful question because if you take a look at our 20 different brands, we have everything from an economy level brand that is focused on national parks with Travelodge to an ultra luxury type brand such as Wyndham Grand. So going across that entire spectrum of brands and servicing them, in our case, with the same set of technology is the key. So what we've done is we've standardized on a set of digital platforms. So, for example, we're running the same basic digital infrastructure, our content management system, for all 20 of our brands. But we're changing the way that it looks based on brand standards, based on the type of customer or guest that is going to be interacting with that brand for each one of those. In the back, it's all the same. Our property management system across the majority of our hotels in North America, 6,000 of our hotels are running on the exact same property management system, which means that the guest can have the same sort of consistent experience regardless of which hotel they go in and out. They know their reservation is going to be found. They know they're going to post their loyalty points 
They know that their room they're going to check into is going to be clean. And if they ever have a service request, that'll be resolved in a quick and expedient manner. So the key for us was really establishing a common common set of platforms and then innovating. If you could imagine, I mean, take a step back in and trying to imagine if I had to run 20 different content management systems, one for each of my brands, and then I had to build an interface on each of those content management systems up or down into my property management system or into my reservation system, suddenly I'm an interface hell. Those classic spaghetti diagrams that you always see, uh, that would be us. But if we have a one-to-one relationship there, then that lets us not focus on the interfaces, but instead focus on some innovation and focus on some more unique guest experiences. Yeah, and I want to talk about those innovations because, you know, if you're a guest, better interaction with technology versus better interaction with humans, you know, as a CIO, I don't know how how well you can control, you know, the interactions, you know, that they're having human to human, but you can definitely control the interaction with technology. So are you excited about technology stepping in and, and doing some of those things? Like, how do you look at, you know, the difference between, you know, the human to human experience of, of checking into uh, a property versus the technological kind of advantages that you can have there? So what's interesting about that is different guests want to have different experiences. So we want to be able to service those guests on a channel that they're comfortable with. So let's say you're checking into a Super 8 in Nebraska at 10.30 p.m. at night. You may not need to go to the front desk. You may not want to go to the front desk. Getting a mobile key, having a mobile check-in experience, walking straight up and tagging into your room is great because you're going to be out of that room at 5.30 in the morning and continue on your way. If you're checking into one of our Wyndham hotels, perhaps, though, Maybe you want to have a, uh, an experience with our front desk agent. Talk to them about local restaurants. Talk to them about the attractions. Feel special when you check in. Have them greet you by name. So what we're finding is that will vary a little bit based on the brand. That will vary based on the demographic. That will vary based on the guest. The key for us, though, is offering that experience to each type of guest. If you're a guest who wants to interact with someone, you have that opportunity. If you're perhaps a a younger millennial or you're that 1030 at night checking into a Super 8 and you don't want to interact with anyone, we can offer you that experience as well. Yeah, I, you know, I always think about kind of like the idea of like disruption and and hospitality and all the stuff that you kind of hear in the day to day kind of like, you know, what, what are, you know, the what are areas that disruption can happen and all those sort of things. But, you know, taking a step back, it just seems more like to me that the experiences that I, I've had, there's just a much more seamless digital transition that kind of collectively the industry has just gotten much better at listening to what people want than kind of like predicting what they were they want or just potentially status quo over the years as like this is kind of like, you know, how it is. But I think you're totally right. I mean, in so many of the experiences that, you know, I've had talking to you know, that front desk person is maybe something you want to do, you know, Saturday morning, mm-hmm. right? Where it's like, you want to go say, you know, Hey, what's your, you live here. What's your favorite place to eat? Or, you know, what's the thing that I'm not going to find on the, you know, the random list online. Do you think like, what are some areas that you think, you know, have been kind of disrupted in the right way? And then what are some areas that you think kind of will continue to be disruptive and, uh, and things that Wyndham is going to lead the charge on? Okay. What I love, what I think is 
great disruption has been is the use of mobile devices. The fact that somebody could possibly be sitting in a parking lot outside your hotel, make a reservation, and then walk into your lobby and have that reservation reflected at your front desk system, it's pretty cool from a technology standpoint, but it's even better from a guest experience standpoint. And then back that up. Let's say that that person is driving down the road. You've got a family of four and dad's sitting in the passenger seat and he's searching on the mobile device. Where are we going to stay tonight? The fact that he's able to do that while his partner is driving and come up with, oh, here's where we're going to stay. Here's the reviews. Here's some pictures of the hotel. Here's the rate. And we can book that in the car and then, again, walk up to that front desk and have it there for us. That's positive disruption. That's made every life better. Some disruptions that aren't working out the way people think they should have are things like kiosks. Do people really want to interact with a kiosk? Uh, is it frustrating when they come in and they're trying to check in and they're working with a kiosk? Are they having a good user experience or are they just getting upset when all they really want to do is go to bed and check into their hotel? So I think when you look at inserting some barriers in there that could end up frustrating people, uh, you, should, you should think again. Another one uh, that doesn't always work is what are you, what hoops are you making people jump through before you allow them onto your internet? We've done some surveys and determined that for uh, certain demographics, millennials and the like, internet is more important than hot water. They would literally rather forego uh, hot water and having the ability to take a hot shower than not to have high-speed internet. That's a great insight. I love it's that. It's incredible. It's really incredible. There's one that's even worse than that, and we received this back as well uh, based on our surveys, is some demographics would rather go two days without changing their underwear than not have uh, fast internet on site. So those are the sorts of insights that we've gained. Uh, so what that means for us is we have to make it easy for our guests and our customers to get online and we have to offer them a pretty consistent uh, experience there. Yeah, that's uh, that really is a, a great pain point because, you know, if you're in a remote location and you're like, you know, it's like a workcation and you have to, you know, work during the day and you need internet, uh, it's a lot easier to, uh, to run to the store and buy a new pair of underwear, I suppose. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. And I've checked out, you may have too, and I've actually checked out of hotels, not ours, uh, where I wasn't getting sufficient internet service because it's so important to what we do in terms of checking mail or developing presentations or interacting with people on collaborative tools like, uh, like Zoom. Yeah. And I think, and I think it also kind of just, it's your entertainment source. It's like, obviously, you know, it's, it's a big supercomputer in your pocket, but, um, but, you know, how many, you know, back in the day when you check into a property and you would, you know, sit there and flip around on the TV or, or try to figure out what to watch or whatever it is. And now it's like you just fire up the laptop and you have, you know, Disney Plus and, and Netflix and, and all those things right at your fingertips. So, like, part of the experience of, like, going and staying somewhere new is, like, you can kind of bring your, your whole digital like life with you anyways. So then, therefore, you know, having fast Wi-Fi it is probably more important than, I don't know if it's more important than, uh, than hot water, but, uh, uh, <laughs> but it's obviously extremely important. So what, do you, what are you all doing to kind of uh, assist with those things? So we're really excited to have announced at our last conference, uh, Wyndham Wi-Fi or Hotel Connectivity Services. And what we're doing here is we're leveraging the power of our scale with 9,000 plus hotels, you can imagine that we, we have better buying power than a single franchisee may in rural Kansas. So what we've done is we bundled an offering 
working with top tier providers who can provide the circuits, working with uh, providers who can install and provide the radios, and folks who can develop and maintain a homepage into a single offering. So let's say, again, you're running that Super 8 in Kansas. You can come to us and you can pay just on a monthly basis for best in class. We believe it's absolutely best in class internet, circuit, support, and a professional homepage advertising your hotel. So when people log in, it looks consistent, it looks cool, and it represents both you and the brand well. The other aspect of that is this wouldn't even be possible, I mean, to do this at 9,000 plus hotels, and we're, we're launching it now and rolling it out. To do this at 9,000 plus hotels, we wouldn't have been able to do it four years ago. But the cloud and the fact that you can minister all of this now from the cloud means we can it means that we can provide that first level support ourselves using actually people in my organization. We're not outsourcing that. So that if you're a franchisee or a guest and you're having a problem, you're actually calling somebody who works for Wyndham and we can help you through that. Uh, and because it's cloud-based, we're going to be able to perform everything from rebooting one of those access points remotely to understanding what specific room you're in and what issues you may be facing. Do you feel like there's going to be a increase in customization and personalization of those sort of things as you're getting more and more information about about customers and trends like clearly you have a ton of data at your fingertips and you're getting more every day with the amount of properties you had so i'm curious just like what what types of customization and personalizations are you looking at so we open we open two new properties a day every day 365 days a year so just when you talk about our growth and what that means and new areas that we're headed into uh, What's really exciting about that is we do have the opportunity to perform mass personalization. And I hated that term when I first heard it, but then when you take a step back and you start thinking about it, it makes sense. And it's really, okay, understanding the archetype, understanding the type of customer that Ian may be. We think we can peg that pretty well. And once we understand that, then we can start to provide services or offers to you that we think you may be interested in. You know, so let's, again, go back to our example where somebody's driving down uh, the highway 10, 1030 at night. We know that they're probably checking in and checking out. Well, if they had dinner, should we offer delivery to their door as part of their room package so that then they don't have to check in, look for perhaps a vending machine or look for a local restaurant because all they want to do is get some food in their belly and go to sleep. So if we can identify that archetype and then offer them some sort of personalized offer form so that they can quickly do what they need to do and move on, that's a value add. That's not a baloney offer that feels like spam coming to your mobile device. No, that's a value added offer that's coming to you. Because another archetype is somebody who's driving in from the airport. Okay, so somebody who's coming in on our shuttle, for example, from the airport, they have a different set of needs. As soon as they hit, uh, hit the hotel, you know, they may want to understand where can I take my business partners out for dinner? You know, so we wouldn't be pushing them to a Grubhub, for example, or a DoorDash. We may be saying, come on by the, the front desk and let's talk to you about local restaurants. Does that make sense, Ian? Does that, does that kind of answer your question there? I, I think it does. And I think, um, and I think it's something that specifically within, you know, hospitality, I'm curious about you know, how you're looking at AI and things like that to continue to train on, you know, as people, you know, are repeat customers that it could, you know, learn and predict and things like that. 
We are. So we're in the, very much the pilot stage on that. And the key to getting AI to work uh, for everybody else who's listening out there, in my opinion, is getting a consistent, repeatable data set. And if you can collect data and put it in a format that AI can consume and then make predictive, run predictive analytics on it and then generate forecasts or some sort of predictions based on it, you're going to be set. So one of the first areas we're doing that in is actually on wireless usage and Wi-Fi usage. So you've checked into a hotel, you've logged into our Internet, we're collecting what you're doing uh, a little bit in terms of what types of sites are you hitting, how long are you on. And then based on that, we may be able to provide different types of offers to you. So again, let's go back to our example. We've checked in at 1030. Okay, 530 in the morning comes. You probably want coffee before you hit the road. And if you're hitting the road before our kitchen's open, or we offer free breakfast at most of our hotels, but if you're hitting the road before then, okay, then maybe we can refer you to a local Dunkin' Donuts, or we can refer you to a Panera Bread if you're a different demographic, or even a Starbucks, and expand that ecosystem. So uh, the AI there can look at what time did they check in, what time are they planning to check out, what sort of sites have they been hitting, and based on that, can I predict what Ian may want or might need and thereby enhance his stay? Switching gears to kind of your internal employee experience and what you're doing for your employees. One of the things that you've announced that you've been working on is automated processing. Can you share what you're doing with, with RPA and, and automation? Sure can. RPA has been a great success story for us. It really has. So robotic process automation, uh, we're using it in two main areas. So one, for our internal employees, we're using it to take mundane tasks off their plate. Uh, so instead of transferring data from one location to another, or instead of trying to understand where am I at in this workflow, Remember our example of we open two hotels a day, 365 days a year. Each one of those hotels has to be set up. And there's a certain amount of data you need to have in order to set up a hotel. You know, how close to the airport is, is it? Give us some brief location description. Uh, does it offer breakfast or not offer breakfast? Do you have a shuttle? But there's all these data points you need to have before you can open up a hotel. And in the past, it would take a person to go through all that data and basically develop and review a data pack. And what we've done is we've cut the overall time in half that somebody, that a physical person, needs to look at all of that data and certify that the hotel's ready, ready for opening by using RPAs. So the robot itself goes through there and it says, check, 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 we validated this. Oh no, I'm still missing this type of information. I'm forwarding it back to the franchisee or I'm forwarding it back to the uh, construction developer on an automated email and identifying that I need this information filled in uh, before we can open. Whereas in the past, it would be somebody else, Fred, for example, who would have to physically write that email, send it back to the developer and wait for them to respond with the information. So that's taken a lot of time out of our, our cycle time to opening there. It's actually reduced it by about half. So that's the first example. Second example is uh, we have robots that sit at each of those front desk systems uh, that you use to check in and out, the property management systems, and look at what the front desk agent is doing. And our front desk agent, sometimes there's, there's a high degree of turnover there. So, you know, it's a, it's a lower paid job. It could be a seasonal job. So they may not be as well trained on the system as they should be. So if it looks like somebody's struggling with something, uh, for example, a credit card authorization, the robot will recognize that and it'll pop up and it'll say, looks like you're trying to authorize a credit card. Can I help you with that? 
and it'll highlight on the screen the fields that need to be filled out. Or it'll say, okay, here's the workflow and here's the next three things that you need to do in order to authorize this credit card. So that's great because that, that avoids a call into our service line and that improves the guest experience so that the guest who's on the other side of that front desk doesn't have to wait while they pick up the phone, while the front desk agent might have to pick up the phone and call somebody. The front desk agent is basically self-serving and understanding what they need to do and can get that guest checked in and move on. That is great. And <clears throat> such a great way to leverage empowering your employees to you know, help them do better work as well. You know, it's, it's truly the, the kind of augmented intelligence that, that you hear about. Uh, or, you know, augmented, uh, augmented robots helping the, uh, helping it, it humans. Absolutely is. No, it, it absolutely is. It's a, it's an example of let's, let's make our employees, it's human plus artificial intelligence is greater than the sum of its parts. And we're using it as well in security on this. Uh, so when there's a security concern or it looks like there's some sort of attack occurring, we're using AI and some of our bots to identify what's that source IP. Oh, that's an IP out of Syria, for example, or that's an IP from a known DDoS uh, denial of service attack base. Wow. Okay, we need to block that immediately. You don't even have to do an IP lookup on that. You know, the robot has suggested this to the human who's monitoring it on the console, and together they can they can make better decisions faster. What about your, you know, kind of for lack of a better term, digital transformation? I know some people love love it. Some people, you know, hate the term, but um, for your digital transformation, how do you look at public cloud versus private cloud, all that stuff? So I like the term digital transformation. I do feel it's overused because after you transform, I think you then evolve. And we've been going through a digital transformation. It's basically complete here at Wyndham, and now we're evolving and building on it. So what I mean by that is we've chosen basically our eight major digital platforms that we've standardized um, more or less across all of our hotels and across all of our brands. Now that we've standardized that, now let's evolve. Now let's use the functionality that is coming out in each of those digital platforms or develop new functionality as needed. In terms of public cloud versus private cloud, uh, we are generally SaaS first. Why should we be in the business of developing software? And the only two exceptions we have to that are our mobile app and our data analysis. So we believe our mobile app is a differentiator for us based on the types of functionality that's out there. And candidly, we haven't been able to find a SaaS provider that really provides mobile app in a box for us. And on the data side, uh, we believe that data data is the dirt in which the business grows. And understanding that data is critical for us to be a differentiator. So we haven't outsourced either of those, but or put them into the uh, the SaaS, a SaaS type environment but for everything else we have. So as I was referring to earlier, our content management system, our digital platform, our service system, we're using salesforce.com, we're using the big names such as Adobe, uh, we're using AWS because they do it well. And by leveraging a SaaS-based app that has updates you know, at least monthly or quarterly, we don't have to be in the business of writing or developing that software. Uh, we're largely an AWS shop right now. We don't have a physical data center. Uh, three years ago, we did. We had three. And with our acquisition of La Quinta, we had four at one point. And right now, we don't have a single physical data center. Uh, we have about 50% or so of our workload in SaaS-based apps. We have 
30% of it at AWS, and about 20% of it sits at a co-location provider uh, run by a third party that handles the care and feeding of the boxes that we need to run some of our, our more legacy type applications. Did you feel like it was critical to have that you know, flexibility and agility? It seems like, you know, obviously this, this was a huge priority for you to get to this point. Did you kind of feel like you'd get left behind or was there like a timeline that you, that you really wanted to hit so that you could kind of work on, you know, evolving from there or was it, or was it just like, we'll get to it when we get to it? (laughs) There were, there were two drivers on this. So one of them definitely had a timeline. Uh, So our migration out to a SAS based central reservation system. Uh, we use Saber here, but a SaaS-based central reservation system was being driven by the fact that we had four of them internally, that we were running and carrying and feeding for ourselves, and then two externally <laughs> that were being run by partners. And if you recall back uh, when, when we were talking about those interfaces, the more systems you have, by definition, the more interfaces you have, which means eventually you're, you're almost crushed by that debt of maintaining all those connections and you can't ever innovate or get to a common platform. So what we did is we, we said, we have to get out to this common platform. We're going to migrate everybody to this common central reservation system. And how long do we think it's going to take? Well, we don't know. Let's migrate a couple of our brands and get into a cadence. So that's what we did. We migrated roughly four of our brands, one brand at a time over into the central reservation system and then got really good at it. And we were able to take a brand live about every six to eight weeks over a 14-month period. Just bang, bang, bang. There was a cadence that we were able to establish in order to get this across. And then we could, we could put our, uh, our line in the sand and say, we're going to be done by mid-2017. And we were. And we're one of the few, uh, few in the industry, few in the hospitality industry that's on a single central reservation platform for all 20 of our brands. It's a monumental lift, and it was overnight every six weeks for a good portion of my team in order to execute the migration. But whew, once it's done, now we're able, as I said, to innovate, and we're able to build on top of that in ways that we never could before. We're also able to offer a level of stability, a level of throughput, and a level of guest experience and customer service that would have been unheard of three years ago as well. Any kind of uh, things you couldn't have foreseen or any hiccups along the road? (laughs) Uh, Probably the biggest one for us was on the change management aspect. And I'm talking in this case, organization change management, not technical change management on the roles and responsibility shift as you migrate to the cloud. People always talk about migrating to SaaS applications or migrating to the cloud. But when you actually do it, then suddenly the way that a typical IT organization has been structured isn't as relevant. You need to restructure your IT organization. So, for example, I used to have about 15, actually, 15 database administrators and about the same number of network administrators. I now have four DBAs and two network administrators because the majority of that load has gone out into the SaaS providers or into my co-location facility. What that means is I have to learn to trust them. You know, and my team has to learn to trust them. And yes, we may not know the schema or we may not know the fields that underlie the specific application, but that doesn't matter. What matters is the functionality that we're delivering to our customer. We don't have to know how that sucker's architected. 
or uh, how it was designed and built. We just need to know that it's going to be available for us and that we can explain it to our customer, whether that's our franchisee, our guest, or our internal team member. So that was probably our biggest, our biggest change is restructuring those roles within IT, unfortunately having to say goodbye to some folks, and then hiring different types of folks into the organization, uh, specifically in the BA business analyst roles and into the data roles that four or five years ago just didn't exist in the organization. In previous companies, you know, working at, at uh, you know, well-known brands like Black & Decker and Nissan and, and places like that on more of, of the retail side of things, how do you kind of view being a CIO at Wyndham differently than, you know, selling physical products? Is there some sort of like kind of mental shift that as a CIO you feel like you needed to go through with the, with the difference in, in type of product or no? There was. There was. And the shift I had to force myself across on after about 60 days or so was we're selling a product here, hotels. Our product, the room, just happens to expire every day. And once I made that shift, then all of the types of tools and the types of implementations that I had in the past, they suddenly became applicable here. You still need a forecasting system. They just call it something different in the hospitality industry. You still need a marketing system. It's called your brand website and whatever uh, commercials you may be running at the time. So once I made that shift and thought of the rooms as disposable inventory, that as I said, expires every night, it really helped me build a framework, both architecturally you know, in my, in my mind and in the type of organization I would need to deliver and support it. You know, it also prepared me for it. It was really exciting is Nissan was a 365, uh, 24, 365 type of industry. So was Eminem Mars, you know, so was Black and Decker. And hospitality is no different. What's different about hospitality, though, is that the feedback loop is a lot shorter, meaning that the guest, the customer in this case, consumes your product and comes back to you very, very quickly whether they liked it or not. You know, we receive surveys and posts on social media the, the moment somebody checks out whether they enjoyed our experience or not. And so we have to be even more nimble. And I thought I was pretty nimble in the past, but you have to be even more nimble now to respond to that, that shortened feedback load. Did you arrange your team different, you know, this time around with the increased responsibilities of like those three constituent groups of having your guests the franchisees and internal employees like how do you um how do you look at assembling a team making sure that you're kind of keeping all of those folks happy and then how do you measure that i did uh, and we did we had to structure a team here that would have a leader who could think what does an internal team member need because their needs might be different than a franchisee or a guest and vice versa and vice versa. So I definitely did structure around each of our customer groups. Uh, what I've really been focused on and the team has been focused on here is how do we provide common functionality and common platforms across each of those groups? So for example, a guest calls in, uh, you're servicing a guest. A franchisee calls in, you're servicing a franchisee, a team member calls in, you're also servicing an internal team member. Well, why can't I do all of that on the same platform? And that was a new way of thinking, uh, actually, in the industry and for us specifically. So we are using, for example, Salesforce.com across each of those customer groups. We're one of the few people around there using Salesforce.com 
uh, for our ITSM tool, for our IT service management tool, because we wanted to be on a common platform across our three different customer groups. So that's been, that's been pretty exciting. You know, we've been pushing the edge there. And what we've been looking for as we've done this by having them all on the same platform is what intersections are we seeing? For example, if a franchisee at a single hotel is calling us multiple times, hmm, and they're on the same system as the guest is, where we may be seeing hmm, a suboptimal review on that franchisee, then we may have a hotel that might be in distress. You know, we may need to go out there and provide additional training to them. We might need to reinforce some processes. You know, we might just need to engage with that hotel, hotel differently. But if I didn't have those systems all interconnected like that, I wouldn't be able to make that judgment. And I wouldn't be able to glean that out and know that, okay, we need to pay more attention to this hotel because I'm getting, I'm getting feedback from, from each area. I'm getting feedback from different customer groups, from the guest and from the franchisee on this hotel that uh, are leading me to believe that we need to help them out. Yeah, that's really fascinating. And it's totally a unique, unique use case for Salesforce. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. And it has been cool and it's been fun to uh, see the Salesforce guys eyes light up. And then when you talk about the typical competitors in the ITSM space, you know, you look at a service now or something. And when we said purposely, no, we're not going with service now. Whoa, people's head exploded a little bit. Well, why not? No, why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you go with a, a BMC or a remedy or something like that? So it was, it, it was a controversial decision when we made it uh, about two and a half years ago. Yeah. And so what's kind of the, um, what's kind of the way forward with that? And, and really just with, uh, with Wyndham in general, what, is, what projects are you excited about um, and working on right now? We're really excited about the uh, standardization of the Wi-Fi. And I was telling you a little bit about that earlier because we think it's really going to improve both the guest experience and the franchisee experience. And if we can guarantee, and I don't use that word lightly, but if we can guarantee standard Wi-Fi across all of our hotels, then suddenly we can build on that. So for example, you can't have a reliable mobile key or mobile check-in system if you don't have good Wi-Fi at that hotel. We can't enable our guests to cast their personal entertainment up to a TV unless you have good Wi-Fi at that hotel. So suddenly it becomes the foundation upon which all of our other experiences and offerings will be built. So we are very excited about getting that rolled out, um, learning more from it, and then using that as one of those digital transformation platforms upon which we can innovate and build on top of it. We're also, uh, also really excited about where AI is going to continue to evolve, especially in the security space. We think that AI and security, and we have a couple different pilots running, will really help us uh, defeat the bad guys even more and keep the bad actors out. So excited to see where that's going to evolve over the next 18 months or so. And then finally, and this one, this one may be, this one may have the potential to be the biggest, is joining ecosystems across providers. So earlier I was using an example of a DoorDash or a Grubhub. If I can work with a DoorDash or a Grubhub, I can offer a new experience, for example, to a guest at my hotel that I wouldn't have been able to offer in the past. If I can expand that out now and maybe partner with the Dunkin' Donuts, I can do something similar. And just imagine that ecosystem continuing to grow. If I know Ian's traveling and he's in the car and he happens to go to a Wawa 
which is a service station slash minimart here in the Northeast. I've learned something about Ian that I can partner with Wawa on and perhaps, you know, discount your, your gas or, oh, Ian, you're on the road. If you thought about staying in a Super 8 tonight, here's a coupon for $5 off because I have that partner now in my ecosystem that I didn't before. So I think that technology, you know, and, and the open API concept and the idea that we're going to be able to exchange information with, uh, with both partners and people who we maybe wouldn't have thought of as partners was really going to offer some new cool experiences to our guests in the future. Yeah, that's, I, I love that. And really the world always needs more, uh, more fast Wi-Fi, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, we're not even sure which ecosystems out there we, we could grow into. You know, you take our loyalty ecosystem, traditionally in loyalty, you earn points and then you redeem points for nights. Well, is that the only thing we should allow people to redeem for? Of course not. You know, and, and in the past, that's been a little bit of a cumbersome process for people to redeem their points for something beyond room nights. And I think that technology could really quickly enable some, some frictionless redemptions. You know, and go back to the Dunkin' Donuts example. Wouldn't it be great? You're traveling, you're on the road, you just earned uh, a thousand Wyndham points. You know what? You can redeem those for two dozen donuts and two coffees. Boom. That's great. You're getting value out of those points uh, right away that perhaps some consumers or guests want rather than waiting for uh, a build up to a free room night. Yeah. Or your next vacation or, or, or your next vacation. That's exactly. And it's going to be a different demographic that wants uh, different types of rewards. Yeah. And I think that it's a, it's a great point on, you know, back to the customer experience piece, which is, you know, there's some folks that like to use that as kind of a savings bank for their next you know, vacation. There's other folks who are like, hey, this was the big vacation for the year. I don't want to wait a year. Absolutely. So let me redeem that for five cents off a gallon of gas at my next fill up. No reason we shouldn't. So partnering with someone like a Marathon Petroleum or whomever, why couldn't we offer those sorts of offerings? Why couldn't we offer those sorts of services? Okay, let's get into the lightning round. These questions are fast and easy. Just like the Salesforce Customer 360 platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. You can go to salesforce.com slash platform to learn more. I mean, you already know about, so you were talking about it earlier. Um, so you already know about Salesforce Customer 360 platform, but for our listeners who don't, go check them out. They are the sponsor of this podcast and they're amazing. Lightning round question. Scott, are you ready? I'm ready. Number one, what app are you using on your phone that's the most fun? Yelp. What is your favorite book? podcast, TV show, movie that you've read, listened to, or watched recently? Designated Survivor. I got hooked on it on Netflix, and I, I'm ashamed to say uh, binge-watched it over the course of about four weeks or so and as part of traveling. Second follow-up to that would be Altered Carbon, also on Netflix. Uh, sci-fi, of course. I, I consume a lot of sci-fi on all channels or so based on the books by Richard K. Morgan. Yeah, Altered Carbon was an absolute trip, and next season, I'm sure, is going to be an equally big trip. Took the genre in places it had never been before, especially in terms of what I'd never seen on the screen before. Super cool. What is your favorite thing to cook or eat? Scallops, actually, because uh, they're hard to screw up, and you get immediate gratification. Three minutes, boom, done. <laughs> That's a great answer. Um, what do you do for fun? 
spend time with the family, which is a pretty obvious one. And what to delve into that, it's been amazing to see uh, see my daughters grow up and to interact with them as first little people, and then I have an, a 19-year-old as an adult, and just to see her perspective on things and get her, her view. Other things I do for fun, I obviously read and apparently binge watch a lot of TV. <laughs> I think we all do. What's your best advice for a first-time CIO? Leverage your network. Don't be afraid to ask other people for help. Uh, you know, there's, there's CIOs out there who've been doing this. This is my third CIO role. So ask, ask me. I'm happy to help. Uh, I may not always be right, but I'm happy to coach a little bit and provide my perspective. And I still don't do enough of that. You know, I should be going over to my peers sometimes and saying, hey, I'm using Salesforce here, here, and here. What other things could I be doing? Yeah, it's a, it's a great point. And, you know, one of the reasons why we created this show is to be able to help share some of those lessons learned with, you know, people all over the world who might not have access to, you know, close, close networks or, or folks down the street. And it's hard to make time for that sometimes, you know, because you get so focused on working in the business and on the business that sometimes you forget to, uh, to ask for other perspectives. Last question. What question do you never get asked that you wish you were asked more often? Wow. I wish I was asked, do I like being a CIO? And uh, the answer there is most of the time. <laughs> uh, I think it's one of the hardest roles out there because the expectations are constantly changing. The technology is constantly changing. The target that you're trying to hit is, is always moving around as well. But when you get it right, you know. You know, your constituents tell you right away or the technology suddenly works or you're able to bring a new solution out uh, that nobody else had before. Awesome. Scott, thanks so much for coming on the show. Any final thoughts? Anything to plug? Uh, you're never more than 10 minutes from a window. That's our new marketing campaign. But uh, really, when you're driving down the road, we've proven that you're usually within 10 minutes of a window anywhere in North America. So please consider us for your next day. Awesome. Thanks so much. Take care. Thank you, Ian. IT Visionaries is created by the team at mission.org and brought to you by the Salesforce Customer 360 platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Build connected experience, empower every employee, and deliver continuous innovation with the customer at the center of everything you do. Learn more at salesforce.com slash platform.